0: Hi, y'all. <laughs> 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 time um, yeah, my name is Simon Stokes. I'm the campus minister here. If I didn't meet you, I'd love to meet you at some point. Uh, we have two interns, Anna Grace and Eric. Um, I know they would love to meet you as well. Um, and we just want to say that here at UF, we believe that we're a community whose well-being is not just only physical, but it's tied to our spiritual welfare as well. And, we think that we can't be spiritually well on our own, that we need one another, that we need the Bible, and most of all, we need the God that the Bible talks about, sings about, or repents to. The so word community is shaped by that. And if this is your first time here with us, you should say, Welcome, thank you for being here, and if you uh, feel welcome by us um, tonight. Um, so, yeah, it's just good to be here and see y'all. So, let's get started. I don't know if you saw this news story or not, it happened in September. But it took place in Lumberton, North Carolina, about two hours south of Carolina, almost from the uh, border of South Carolina. Uh, but after 30 years in prison, these two half-brothers were finally released of this crime they had not committed. Um, by all outward appearances, these guys had looked guilty. They'd lived behind bars, they'd been under 24-hour security, they'd slept uh, on a cot away from their families. They've been hardened in some ways by prison uh, without any freedom to see their loved ones. One of them was on death row, the other one was serving a life sentence um, for this terrible crime they had not committed. Yet when someone looked at their DNA and looked at the part of them that fundamentally, physically, is the most fundamental part of who they are, they realized that these guys were innocent, that they were free. And this realization came not because of the evidence these men had brought forward themselves, but it was tied up in the very fabric of who they were. I tell that story because the reality for us, or for some of us here, is very similar. That on the most fundamental level of who you are, you are free. That you are free because God has declared you free through faith in His Son. Yet in many aspects of your life, you live as though you were not free. You live as though you were bound. I think a big part of our problem is that we don't even know necessarily what true freedom is. That we live in a world obsessed with a fantasy of freedom, but in a lot of ways empty of it. That we struggle with addiction, we struggle with feeling powerless, we live in a culture of entertainment, but we're bored. We feel like we do, at times, nothing important, but we're extraordinarily busy. We have all this seeming freedom, but we don't know how to use it. And here in Galatians, Paul's been unpacking the good news of Jesus What does it mean practically on a day-to-day basis for us if God, the most free being in existence, has taken his freedom and in order to serve his enemies has used it to die on a cross? If we really understand what that is, what Paul is saying here, how would that affect the way that we do our jobs? How would that affect the way that we go to class and we do relationships with one another? Before we begin, I want to define freedom like this. Really basically, that true freedom is the ability to do exactly what you were made to do. True freedom is the ability to do exactly what you were made to do. So now I want to talk about two things, really basic things. What is false freedom, and what is true freedom? What is false freedom, what is true true freedom? And uh, as we read Galatians 5, I know it's just one verse, but it's an important verse. Um, And if... You ever get the itch to memorize any passages from the Bible? This is a great place to start. This is a great thing. To take, it could take you literally two minutes to memorize it. So helpful as um, you think through the Christian life. And what is the reason that Jesus died for me? And what are some of the pitfalls? And what do I need to do? So let's read Galatians 5, 1 together. We'll get started. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore... And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Let me pray for us and get started. Father, um, as we come to you tonight, I know that there are some of us who feel very bound. Bound by anger, bound by the inability to forgive, um, or bound by sadness or loneliness. God, I pray that you'd be with us tonight. Um, or that you would set the captive free. You set us free through your Son, Jesus. or that you work through your Word, through your Spirit that we know true freedom. That we know in you and through you. Or that you move together in this community. Um, that freedom be proclaimed. Or that you be clearly glorified in that freedom. Right? Which isn't right. So what's false freedom? What's false freedom? Uh, pain is very broad brush strokes here. But people tend to be either very strict or very loose with their freedoms. And some of our rooming situations feel like a contest between these two types of people. Like... One of you is very disciplined, very thoughtful, very uh, organized about your calendar and your schedule, and the other is the opposite. Like, one side of your room is neat, and the other side of your room looks like a police raid just happened, right? Like, there's the neat people, there's the structured people, and then there's, like, the messy, out-there people. There are those of us who say, you know, let's approach life through a web of procedure and rules and advice, and we're going to draw a very tight, very neat box. And no one's going to step out of it, and there's a way to do things that needs to be followed through, and we just need to get our hands around the chaos of life. And then there's the other of us uh, who seem to say, you know, forget rules, forget procedure. I need to be released to fulfill my human potential in whatever way seems best. And if it feels right, let's do it. I don't want to be constrained in any way. I need the freedom to just spread my beautiful butterfly wings. <laughs> right? Those are the two approaches. Um, but let me suggest this, that neither of those approaches on their own leaves the freedom that God would have for us. That one of them is desperate to throw out boundaries, and the other is desperate to impose them. And why do either one of these approaches work? Because both are focused on themselves. Either I have to know what rules to follow, because it's in rules and order that I'm happiest, or I have to throw out the rules and do whatever is best that I feel like, because then I'll be happy. But do you see the problem there? That both are focused on themselves. And in some ways, that's kind of the nature of sin. Is that sin takes something good, like freedom, and it separates it from God, and it makes it about ourselves. And then elevates it to a position in our hearts where we can act, or think, or feel as though that thing will be the thing that saves us. Or finally sets us free to be the person that we've always been trying to be. It's what we call idolatry. Um, an idol can be anything. Our hearts are constantly making them. And they always lead to less freedom rather than more of it. Is my mic? Did it cut out? Yeah. That's what I thought. Hello? <laughs> sure, I'll take that. Cool. Must have died. Um, sorry about that. Hello? Hello? <laughs> there you go. Um... Whoa. (laughs) Yes (laughs) Lord. We can tell ourselves, I have to check Instagram as soon as I wake up. I have to check my email as soon as I wake up. I will not be happy until I date. I must know what everyone else is doing right now because we need to be super connected. When you go out on Friday night and you're hanging out with your friends, Do you ever have in the back of your mind this kind of wondering, like, what is so-and-so doing? Are they having more fun than me? I'm having fun, but is it the most fun that I could be having? Am I maxing out my fun quotient? Do you ever find yourself, like, checking constantly your Facebook or your Instagram while you're out with people, just to see what everyone else's status update is? And see what they're doing? Are you free just to be with your friends? Do you live in FOMO? I do sometimes. Are you free to be single? Are you free to date? Are you free to just be yourself with or without another person? You know, and while I'm on that, I know that a lot of us here um, would follow ourselves, maybe would not follow ourselves under this category, but if you consider yourself a Christian, think about this in terms of who you would date and who you wouldn't date. Like, there's lots of wonderful people out there who aren't Christians. Some of my best friends, the people I'm closest to aren't. They have amazing qualities, But let me ask you this. If you are a Christian, can you be free to be the person God has made you to be, the things that he's called you to do in following Christ, with a person who doesn't know or doesn't get the most important aspect of your life? Like, I know they're hot. I know they're funny. I know they make you feel whole at times. Um, I know that at times you feel really lonely, and and they make you feel like, oh, this is the thing that I've longed for with that other person. But do they know Jesus? Do they love him and help you love him as well? In our culture, we marry the person that we date. And, you know, marriage can be hard enough as it is. And can you build a life and be married to a person who's just not on board with Jesus? They're like, that's okay for them, that's okay for you. But someone whose attitude is like, he's an alright guy, but that's your life. But when you think about it, how will you do life with kids one day? How will you balance a checkbook one day? Um, When it comes to thinking about how am I going to use my money? Or how am I going to live missionally with my neighbors? How will that work out? In a close relationship like a marriage where you sleep together and share a checking account together, it's hard not to be impacted by the other person's belief or unbelief. By the actions that flow out of that and the attitudes that flow out of that. Are you free enough to say no to someone and be okay with being single so that you could possibly say yes to someone else later. Or even just free enough to say, you know, come with me, like, God is enough for me. You know, the point with false freedom is that you don't learn freedom what true freedom is until you learn the right restrictions. You know this, the fish that jumps out of water in order to be free from water dies on its own. And ironically, it dies in pursuit of a freedom that runs counter to who it is. And simply labeling our thoughts, our actions as free is not the same thing as actual freedom, but real freedom—the freedom that Christ made us for—is something living out your humanity in the way that God intended. So, if that's the case, you know what is true freedom? What's true freedom for us? Um, I'll say this: We live in an age where people are obsessed with the food that they eat. Uh, I don't consider myself a foodie, uh, but I am a pastor, which means I love to eat. And, uh, that's right. That pastor joke, there. Uh, <laughs> this past summer, though, Katie and I were on a road trip, and as we are wont to do on road trips, we popped in an audio book. And the premise of this book was this: is when you're free to eat whatever you want to eat, what don't you eat? Like, how do you restrict yourself? And the author looked at fast food, he looked at the organic food movement, uh, he looked at hunting, uh, but the food that really stood out to him was produced that, right. by a farmer who lives about two hours north of here and farms 100 acres of land, and produces an insane amount of food on that. 20 tons of beef, 15 tons of pork, 10,000 chickens, 1,200 turkeys, 1,000 rabbits, 35,000 dozen eggs, which is a number I can't even get my head around. He uses no pesticides. Everything is humane. Everything is self-sustaining. It's like a neo-organic hipster paradise. Um, And what stuck out to me was that when the author asked him, like, how do you get this incredible yield without using like, factory farm techniques? His response was that he understood his job as a farmer was to help his animals express their animalness. <laughs> <laughs> Again, neo-organic <me>, picture <laughs> <laughs> And the restrictions, he, but he did this. He said that the restrictions that he placed on them were really in service to helping them express. The kind of animal that they were, like chickens, were sent out after cows ate, so you could eat the eat the bugs that were attracted to the cow poop. And in the process, they scatter that poop and fertilize the ground, and like fertilize themselves on the way. That the chickenness of the chickens was allowed to come out. The cowness of the cows was allowed to be there. All the pigs, all the grass was allowed to do their thing too. But the farmer understood that by thoughtfully guiding his land and his animals to most expressing what they truly were, they flourished. And they did the things that they were supposed to be doing in the way that God intended them to do it. What's incredible about Paul's understanding of freedom is that he is this major, brilliant figure who's hardworking, he's accomplished, he's well-connected. But almost any count, Paul has the freedom to be on top and let people know who the boss is. Yet when he writes his letters, when he starts off Galatians, when he ends Galatians, when he writes, say, 1 Corinthians or Romans, how does he describe himself? How does he self-identify? As a servant. Paul is a servant of God and a servant of other people. That he understands that his life is meant to be given in service to others. This verse starts off, For freedom... Christ has set us free. The purpose of Jesus' death and resurrection is that we would be free people. And what Paul understands is that true freedom is not about just throwing off all the restrictions, but finding the restrictions that let us free set us free to be the people that God made us to be so we can flourish. Look at the end of verse 5 here Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That staying firm doesn't mean that it's easy. There's these things that want to push on you and say, come back under, under my slavery. Don't be a free person. And sometimes it feels for us like a fight against ourselves in order to live freely. In order to say no to the right things and yes to the wrong things. Or, sorry, reverse that. No to the wrong things, yes to the right things. But Paul is saying, don't go back. And to do that, some of you need to get a filter on your computer and your phone to stop pornography. And some of you need to unfollow your ex on Facebook and Instagram so you can finally get over what they were doing. So you can live and just move on and be in the here and the now. That freedom involves living out your humanity with the right restrictions. Not restrictions that we impose upon ourselves, but the things that Jesus guides us in as our shepherd. What Paul understands is he understands the story of Jesus. That God, the freest being in existence, who can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants, limited Himself by being born as a baby, by becoming a servant, by growing up into a peasant man who walked everywhere and slept outside and got hungry and embraced the most shameful death that the ancient world could think of. So that while you were still an enemy of God, Jesus Christ could give up His power and His glory and His joy and His friends, the things that we hold most dear, to go to the cross and suffer for your sin so that you would not have to suffer and so that God would set you free. And the whole point of God's free, unmerited, wild love is that it's not about who you are or what you do or what you could do, but that what matters is that God has taken His freedom and He's crucified it along with His Son and that wrapping your life and right in the center of who you are around this person is what will set you free. It's in this freedom that you'll finally be free to truly love people. Truly express your humanity. Because real freedom is a call to real love. In the way that Jesus loved people, as a servant. And I say this to myself as much as I say it to anyone else in this room. But for Americans <coughs> who really value efficiency and value competency... Love is hard for us because love is not efficient. And love doesn't look at how competent people are or how incompetent they are. But in order to find the freedom that God made you to be or to have, in order to find the love that God made you for, then you'll have to die to your ideals of efficiency and competency. Because that's what it meant for God to love you and to set you free. You'll have to be so free that you give up your freedom and become a servant for others. When you come into RUF, are you free enough to find someone who doesn't look like they know their folks and sit down next to them and just be intentional with them and give up some of your time with your friends? Or when there's a movie night or a dance party or you have people over, are you free enough that you can invite people that might not know anyone and spend time with them and make sure that they're comfortable and welcome, even if that means that you don't max out your fun? Are you free enough to set fun down? and free enough to take it up again later. What would it feel like if you were to just stick it out and stand firm and be intentional and really reach out to people who are outside of your friend circles? How would that feel? I think it would feel uncomfortable. I also think it would feel like freedom. And that's the freedom that God calls us to, to serve, to love, to be for other people and with other people. That's what it is to be a person. I'll end with this. Um, You may or may not have heard of this person. Uh, He lived like 1,600 years ago. Uh, He wrote a book called The Confessions. Um, It's a theologian named Augustine. (laughs) And uh, he was a really cool dude because he was really honest about himself and honest about his life before he uh, became a Christian and about his sin. He famously prayed once, God, make me chaste, but not yet. Like (laughs) He's a pretty earthy guy that you can kind of get to know. I feel like you can hang out with that dude. But uh, he talks about at one point in his confessions that before he became a Christian, he was living with this woman. He lived with her for a long time, and they weren't married. And after he became a Christian, he kind of ended the relationship and moved towards some, sort of a monastic lifestyle. Um, but at one point, after he became a Christian, he's sitting in his town square, hanging out with people. And he, she calls out from across the other side of the square, Augustine. Augustine, and he doesn't—he doesn't look, he doesn't turn, and she comes up to him and she says, "Augustine, it's me." And he looks back at her and he says, "I know, but it's not me." But beloved, sometimes to find the freedom you have to find in Jesus, you have to give up things. You have to give up um, some amount of freedom to take on other things. And the way that God made you, the way that He sets you free is through his son Jesus. And that we serve a God of both death and resurrection. And that real freedom is found in dying to certain things and living to him. And that, beloved, you were made for more than to live for yourself. And you were made for more than to live for your career and more for money and more for your sexuality. That you are made to live for other people. And you are made to live for God. And real freedom we found in those things. We found in him and I'll be hard, that he's with you. And he loves you because He set you free through his death and through his resurrection, through his son. So let's stand and praise him and meditate on him and thank him for his work. We pray. <coughs> Father, thank you for your goodness to us, that your son sets us free. That you move in our hearts, Lord, that you love us, that you give us what we need to know you. Lord, to do more with our lives than live for money and live for work and live for ourselves. But, Lord, that through you we can live for other people. God, that through you we can live for you. We can be rich or we can be poor. We can be healthy or we can be unhealthy. Lord, we can live or we can die. But, God, that you're with us and you're for us. God, you set us free. Would you pray? Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts to give us that freedom now. In your sense, then we pray. Amen.